0: Good evening or good afternoon, whatever the case may be, on this rotating globe, which is rotating into something so extraordinary, so mind boggling. Tonight is going to be a night of questions. Tomorrow night, we're going to have some answers with a lot of images and graphics and maybe even an arrow or two. You know how I love arrows. But tonight, we're going to be posing some mega, mega questions. There is so much swirling around in the public, uh, as Thierry Chardin termed it, the the new sphere, the mind of the consciousness um, from all different quarters with all different frequencies and extraordinarily different polarities. I mean, I had a conversation this afternoon with uh, one of my neighbors who was an avid, 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 avid Trump supporter. And the chilling thing is, with perfect deadpan sincerity, this individual told me that if Biden is inaugurated, he is joining an armed militia to create a civil war. Now, this is someone, he's an ex-Marine. This is someone that I've known for years. The polarizing aspects of what's going on in the news sphere right now are so horrific we are being driven apart. And as you know, my model has been for several years that because consciousness and the field are interconnected, inextricably interconnected. As the field changes, consciousness changes too. And part of the idea of, you know, uh, being the captain of your soul is the ability to resist the impulses from the field that direct you through I don't know, the mechanisms. We're going to talk to some of our our experts tonight. In fact, we have a very interesting individual, uh, Laura London, who has spent decades looking into Jung, and we're so into archetypal consciousness that when I turn around and look back, I can't see the end of the tunnel. It's really kind of dark in here. So tonight, we're going to try to cast some light. As I said, tonight's going to be a night of questions, and tomorrow night, We're going to provide some answers. Now, that's not a hard and fast rule because what I want to do is provide enough evidence tonight so that you all can follow the bouncing ball. You all can see the dots that we have connected. So without further ado, for everyone who is new to this program, and there are a lot of you we are gaining audience very nicely, you go to TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com. That will take you to our uh, homepage. Click on tonight's banner for the 5th of December against that astonishing real-world photograph uh, taken of the monolith in Utah by moonlight and by the light of an artificial drone that was hovering overhead can see it created tonight's um, banner. So you click on that banner. That will take you to the uh, guest page. And just under the guest page, you see where it says Fast Links to Items. Click on Richard and number one, is a stunning photo of why I was so excited from the get-go and Keith Morgan. Keith and I, I think, were the first two folks, maybe Andrew was a close third, to look at this and not just see that astonishing 12-foot-high steel triangular obelisk, but we also saw the background. And as you're going to hear tonight, the background Is everything. So click on that. That will take you to an enlarged version of this image. Number two is a news story, an early news story, showing that not only did this strange thing appear on the 18th of November of this year, but on the 27th of November, uh, slightly over a week, almost two weeks, it disappeared. And so this is a detailed story from the BBC of its disappearance. The same day it disappeared, another monolith, another obelisk, because technically monoliths are single slabs like the one in the movie 2001 that we'll get to momentarily. Uh, But obelisks are anything that sticks up that's like a marker. These are obelisks, triangular, equilateral triangular obelisks Raised in three dimensions, making them mathematically tetrahedrons. Oh, my God. The humanity. Anyway, item number three. The day that the Utah monolith disappeared, the Utah obelisk, a almost identical version, appeared in Romania. But as you're going to hear over the next two days or two nights, there were critical key differences, including some built in. Trying to get the mainstream to veer away, to deliberately, as you're going to see, arrange the perception that Romania was just a copycat. Somebody not very good at it. You know, the wells were bad and the angles were bad and, you know, kind of like was thrown together. Nope, 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 nope. Deliberate distraction, as we shall prove. Item number three. I'm sorry, four. Um. A third monolith, uh, as soon as the one in Romania, after a couple of days, it had disappeared mysteriously in the middle of the night. Didn't anybody hear in these places webcams and infrared? I mean, come on. You got something really weird and you don't protect it? Anyway, the day it disappeared, suddenly in California, thousands of miles away, um, on, a, on a mountaintop, little mountaintop, uh, in, in uh, northern California, in a place called Ascadero. Another monolith appeared, and again, your first reaction, mine was to "Oh, it's copycat." No," as you get into the substance of the research, as you actually dig in to the science, not listening to people you know kind of opening their "You know what's and just spouting off, you find there is a continuity, a string of numbers that prove that all of these are. Connected. Item number five. That's a direct link to the Department of Public Safety, the Aero Bureau of the State of Utah, who were flying on the 18th the, the chopper in which these four guys, the pilot and three biologists, who were on a mission to count bighorn sheep. You know, one one pundit on, on his uh, podcast had some really elegant, stunning metaphorical analyses. You know, that it was so fitting in the sense that this thing, this monolith, this obelisk found in Utah, it's designed by whoever did it, is designed to awaken humanity. And this guy said, I wish I could remember his name. He said, isn't it interesting that it's found by four guys whose job it is to count sheep, which, of course, is the metaphorical equivalent of trying to put yourself to sleep. So metaphorically, symbolically, archetypally, the guys who are trying to put themselves to sleep find something to awaken themselves and humanity and the entire world looking like how this has gone viral. It's not bad for 2020 so far. Maybe it will get really, really more interesting. Anyway, um, that's the first set us we're going to cover, which is the, the proliferation of monoliths and how we know they are real. If they're real, they're meant to awaken us to this extraordinary human heritage that goes far beyond Samaria, you know, 6,000 years ago, far beyond the confines of this planet to encompass other places in the solar system, like Mars, the moon, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, a deep time ancient history, which if disclosure was ever going to be real based on all the stuff that I and my colleagues had been discovering for decades all across the solar system, that NASA has given us data on, the Chinese have given us data on, the Japanese, the Russians. I mean, everybody's in on it. They just don't say that they're in on it. They've all given us this astonishing database. But the public consciousness, that electric spark, that, that call in Brookings for the public to make the leap That this, in fact, is reality, but in such a way that they do not freak out. That was the big bugaboo of Brookings back in the 1950s. The human race can't stand this. They will freak out. We will wind up becoming extinct. Well, that's why it's taken decades to prepare. And so I see all kinds of things that are happening simultaneously now as part of this big unfolding tapestry from the ancient, extraordinary history of the human species to what's going on currently in the solar system. I mean, the Japanese sent Hayabusa back into the atmosphere this morning, and they now have pieces of an asteroid that landed in the Mongolian high deserts, retrieved on its way to laboratories in Japan to be then parceled out, something like uh, two or three pounds, I think, they collected this time, all over the world by all kinds of independent laboratories. While simultaneously, item number six in radio with pictures, the Chinese this week sent an unmanned robot to the moon to a place called uh, Mons Rumker, which is much further west and a little north of the Chang-3 site, and it's on its way home. They picked up four pounds of samples, got into orbit, lowered the orbit, landed, took photographs uh ascend an ascends capsule back into orbit, first time in forty years that a, a mission to the moon has returned samples to the Earth. And in the next few hours they will rendezvous, unless I think they I, sorry, I think they already have. They will wait for the right geometry. They've loaded the ascent vehicle from the surface into the, the return vehicle in the uh, in the mothership in the orbiter, the Chang Five mothership, and then they'll fire that off into the right trajectory. It'll take 112 hours to fall back to Earth. So by next weekend, on a rush, 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 do it yesterday, 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 the fastest you know, sample retrieval in the history of robotics, certainly in the history of the Apollo program, the Chinese will have four pounds of samples from this site on the moon, which has never been visited by anybody. And in fact, they kind of, well, they did something very interesting. And we'll talk about that. And what that might mean with some imagery that we're going to show tomorrow evening um, that Ron and I have been working on. And so we will segue to that tomorrow. What you might want to do between now and tomorrow, your copious spare time, is look at number seven. The Chinese began this unmanned expedition to the moon back in 2013 with the first of the uh, Chinese uh, moon goddesses, Chang 3, to land successfully. In a place they told us was going to be Sinus Iridum, the Bay of Rainbows. And at the last minute, they completely <coughs> bollocks everybody, descended suddenly to a location on the moon in, uh, in, in Mare Imbrium, you know, called um, not, not too far from the Bay of Rainbows, uh, at 44 north and, <clears throat> wait for it, 19.5 west. My, my, my. And it's only gotten better from there. Um, So we'll get to that. The meaning of what the Chinese are up to, what they're bringing home, how it might fulfill a um, scenario that we're going to lay out, again, with evidence tomorrow night. Number eight, drone footage. While all this is going on, suddenly the most historic, the most amazing, the largest up until recently, uh, the Chinese operational radio telescope in the world The famed Arecibo telescope, a telescope that I visited and, in fact, am proud to say is where I defeated my fear, my almost pathological fear of heights by literally walking above the bowl, almost 500 feet above the crater floor over which Arecibo was built. Well, the other day, a couple, three days ago, on live drone footage, the whole damn thing collapsed. And so tonight there is no Arecibo to ping radar off asteroids, to listen for intelligence signals, to monitor pulsars, to break the boundaries of science with almost every observation. There now is only one such telescope on the planet, and it happens to be owned by the Chinese, who are making very interesting inroads vis-a-vis the moon. Hmm. Number nine. Where all this comes together, of course, is that most people, when they hear about extraterrestrials, they think of UFOs, unidentified flying objects. And there's been a whole industry assembled with a lot of independent citizen scientists and political you know, researchers, experts on Capitol Hill, public policy and all of that to try to get to the bottom of why there has been this systematic, overwhelming, redundant, layered cover-up of the reality of the ultra, of the, of the unidentified flying object phenomenon since at least the 1940s, when, of course, historically we now know from other research it goes back a lot longer than that. Well, tonight we have new news. In the midst of what we're going to lay out in the next couple hours is the background for the disclosure process that deals with ships and beings and visits And ancient human history as part of the model that says that's all one. You can't pull on one thread without it all falling out of the Piver McGee's closet. Suddenly tonight, we have some major leaks from the Pentagon, the developing story of affirmations of the tracking, photography, discussion, policy analysis, uh, and the search for more data on an ongoing uh, UFO phenomenon which apparently is really tagging the U.S. Navy in the 2000s. So, without further ado, my first guest tonight is Steve Bassett. You all know Steve as one of the preeminent researchers and policy analysts in this bizarre aspect of extraterrestrial politics. Um, He is founder and director of the Paradigm Research Group. Without further ado, Stephen, what's going on with the Pentagon?
1: What has happened recently is that uh, a couple of uh, docs, which included photographs, got released. Actually, they said they were leaked. Uh, uh, I think uh, the uh, one document, uh, for instance, was um, I think classified as uh, unclassified for uh, uh, official use only, which is intel speak for feel free to leak this doc. So, what, what's going on is ever, ever since um, the TTSA really launched its program, I uh, went to the New York Times, and there's been a lot of adjustments and positioning going on within the DOD, within the Navy, and other parts of the government. They're moving the chairs around, putting in new carpeting, new pictures on the wall, and uh, passing docs around amongst each other, which have labels like unclassified, so they can be conveniently quote unquote leaked. Uh, this is all in preparation for what's coming. Uh, they're trying to get in position and, and to get on the right side of the issue because I think disclosure is, is happening, but first we'll have to have hearings. So this is the latest in that. There's been a number of these going back almost eight months now. Um, one of the documents released included a photo of what was call, uh, initially called a, a cube, it's not. It's a uh, balloon, probably. It's not particularly significant, but what I love about it is that it was t- the, the photo was taken by the backseat pilot, the weapons pilot on the F-18. You know, he's reaching over the shoulder of the pilot with his with his cell phone camera, and taking a shot. It's a very good photo, by the way, excellent photo, uh, which confirms the rumors I've heard that the new i i12 iPhone 12 Pro has got a camera better <laughs> than what the Navy has. Oh,
0: and I God. think they're going
1: to replace the gun cameras with these uh, these uh, just, iPhone 12 Pros just, and save a whole apropos, lot of
0: money. Apropos of this and parenthetically, you know, apropos of nothing, you know how long it took for NASA and mission control in, in Houston to go from big CRT monitors to flat screens and I laptops? It. I decades! Decades! The supposedly preeminent engineering outfit in the world, and it took them decades to go where consumers could have gone to Best Buy and gotten a good deal even then. So I encourage
1: people to find this photo. Uh, you can find it on a new site called iBrief, which, a debrief rather, The Debrief. Very significant new site. Uh, MJ Benias is one of the people involved. Uh, and Micah Hanks is there. They're doing great stuff. This is going to be an important site. and I'm going to be promoting it very soon. And then the other, the other one, though, was a little more interesting. This was a document referring to a photo uh, of a triangle coming out of the ocean and then moving up at great speed. Now, in this case, the photo wasn't released, just a document referring to the photo. <laughs> so Dave Beatty did a, uh, a recreation of it showing what it would look like, classic triangle, little bites on, on each corner. Uh, now, I get that. You see, it's okay to release a photo that shows what is probably a... A, a balloon of some kind, it's not cool to, to release a photo of it. Well, shows wait, wait, the triangle.
0: wait, 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 let's, let's not blow this off too, too easily, because again, this balloon seems to be a cube, and the cube is crucial in the physics. No, it's a not cube a cube, Dick. Is, no, it's not a cube.
1: Uh, they, 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 they've blown it up. You blow it up and look at it. It's not a cube. Uh, it's not right. even
0: close to being a cube. So I can so you don't have to worry about be, that then the test would be what was the closing rate between an F-15 I, I, I no and, and, a, and a piece of you know, mylar drifting on the
1: wind. Uh, again, I, what it is, I don't know, but a cube, it's not. And it's not impressive. A triangle would be really impressive, and so that is not going to be released. Well, see, I A doc seen the referring to it was leaked. And so they're passing documents around. There's a very interesting memo here. Uh, which uh, was was being passed around. Let me see if I can, I can read it to your audience. Hang on a second. This is, this is what I mean by the guys are sh- shuffling things out and, and, and getting a little more open and allowing things to be leaked because the Navy is pretty much committed to be in the forefront of the disclosure process when uh, the hearings come, which is fine. Good for them. Anyway, this is a, a memo from, or a, well, an email you from. You know, Robert- it
0: goes back to John Paul Jones, right? Well, the Navy is uh, cool. The, what can I say? The Navy is constitutional. There are some folks that kind of look at the Army Air Corps and then the Air Force and say, you guys are kind of come along lately."s So the fact that this is now in the hands of the Navy, to me, is another bullet point that this is serious.
1: And who is? I think the Navy's the, just called you, Dick, with a compliment. Um, so Robert Burke, <laughs> admiral. USN. Well, it's from
0: the naval base at uh, La Jolla. Yeah, I, I can't answer it. Okay, and so uh,
1: and the email is to uh, uh, Stephen Wilson, right? General U.S. Air Force, right? Yes. So you see, they're they're even they're even communicating cross uh, military uh, service. Uh, CC uh, Matthew Kohler, also a vice admiral, etc.,
0: and captain, and another guy, Captain. Now these Donald. are current line officers not retired safely yeah this so yeah can, absolutely these are this is october well this is huge 16th. you got to make a big deal of this because people so, are generals and military all the time the difference here is these are people that are currently serving the american people
1: yeah but since the tsa started its thing back in october 2017 lots of current military people are getting on board in other words what i'm trying to say is this is not uh, new this has actually been going on for three years, and it's it's involving. But Steve, and becoming most more people obvious. don't know that they're not paying attention. Well, I'm telling them now. Anyway, so then the mem the email says recommend that you take a uh, take the brief I just received from our director of naval intelligence, Vice Admiral Matt Kohler, uh, on identified aerial phenomena UAP. SecNav will get the same brief tomorrow. So they're kind of cross briefing each other. But let's let's be clear about this. Uh, uh, let me let me just read something from uh, uh, an, uh, one of the articles that came out about this. It should be about right here. Okay, uh, here's a statement uh, in the article, in the uh, debrief article. The summer news of the establishment of the UAPT uh, task force seemingly suggests for the first time since the shuttering of Project Blue Book, the Air Force's official investigation into UFOs in 1969, that the Pentagon is now taking the subject of UFOs seriously. Now, let's be clear. That is completely false, but it's politically correct. The Pentagon and the DOD have been taking the matter of uh, extraterrestrial uh, uh, aircraft in our airspace incredibly seriously every minute of the day since 1947. Yeah, you know, but you know. they write it this way
0: because that's OK. In other words, it's called plausible deniability. Yeah, it it is, but it, it's increasingly the obvious. It, but not it, to it, people who are not following this, the mainstream, the middle of yeah, the curve. Well, that's where the, my, my job is back. to let people know that, yeah,
1: this is bogus. This is this is this is uh, uh, embargo speak. In other words, so it's it, it, it's more comfortable If people think, wow, they're finally studying it again. And I make this point only to reiterate what I've said many times. What is going on now is not, oh, my God, we just discovered there's UFOs or, oh, my God, we think they're important. What is going on now is that the military services, particularly the Navy, which is known about the extraterrestrial before I was born, uh, are starting to position themselves and it's a public relations. This whole thing that you are seeing, whether it's this leaked doc or that photo or this witness coming forward or uh, setting up the the task force, right? Yeah, and, and last year, or even the maneuver by Rubio to put this request for information into the in the intelligence appropriations bill is all public relations. They're trying to do stuff to get on the right side of this issue before. The show begins, which I believe is going to start early next year. And this is another example of that. And so you're going to see more of it. Uh, I assure you the U.S.
0: government is filled with documents. But wait, 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 wait. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, it's a great thing. I think it's a super thing. Who cares? We've never wanted to take them out and, you know, use Trump's new firing squad. So what's the point? I'm just telling you what it is. I'm not from under this, but we get real truth, that's the objective.
1: I'm not selling the thing are not selling it. I'm just telling people what's going on, right? And, uh, but the point I was going to make is that throughout the US government, the military services, there are untold numbers of documents, emails, uh, photos, gun camera footage, and everything else. And I assure you, it would take months and months and months to even scratch the surface. And what's happening is that now that things are loosening up, and now that we sort of know where we're going, Thanks to the TTSA and subsequent developments, uh, these stuff are just bubbling up, right? Uh, And it's very easy for, and and also, since October of 2017, uh, a very substantial, I think, portion of the military intelligence uh, complex people are starting to realize that it's okay. Right. I mean, you can't just grab something totally classified, walk out the door. But, hey, talk about it. Bring it up at lunch. got a document here, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's OK. And this is just going to grow because the truth embargo has been suppressing massive evidence for seven solid decades. Right. So I assure you, it's like okay, it's like when I, they uh, the- we,
0: we have about four minutes to the bottom of the hour. Yeah. Okay. This, to me, this is the most important question I probably can ask you. I mean, ask it. I've ever asked you. I won't hold it against you. Uh, All our discussions have been about human control or non-control of the release mechanism. Mm. The suppression, the cover-up, the efforts at disclosure, political agendas, new presidents, you know, switches at the last minute, all about the human decisions around disclosure. But remember what the cliche is in warfare. The enemy always gets a vote. How do you know that the ETs are not running the show and they're the reason the Pentagon stuff is leaking? They're the reason, even if they didn't do it themselves, they've impelled terrestrials to lay this network of stunning tetrahedral clues around the planet. In other words, the control has been taken from our guys and they're running the show. Well,
1: my answer is simple. I have no idea because I don't have direct contact with ETs. However, (laughs) I am quite aware of all the things that have been happening right down here in good old planet Earth, all of which are more than sufficient to be generating what is happening right now. We don't need any ETs to be loosening up the gears inside the Pentagon or the Navy. Uh, It's happening through the efforts of the TTSA, through the media coverage, which continues to grow. And so, hey, it's, look, I I want everybody to win. I want the Navy to win, the DOD, the the, the 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 Congress, the President, the people. I want them all to win in this process. As long as we finally end this godforsaken truth embargo, which is undermined trust in government. For 70 solid years, not the only thing that's done that, but a considerable factor and, and undermining of trust in government has led the country to where it is today, which is on the brink of falling completely apart and having to be bought by the Chinese to be, I don't know, refurbished or something. Yeah, so you the, heard my he,
0: allusion to the guy next door who's very serious, civil war, yeah. Without even blinking an eye.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, There's a lot of people throwing that stuff around. I'm not too worried about it. We had a civil war. We know what a civil war is like.
0: Uh, this will be more like one of those war reenactment thingies. We are, we are at the bottom of the hour. My guest this morning, my first guest this morning, among a cast of thousands, <laughs> is in fact uh, Steve Bassett. To bring the current developments vis-a-vis the Pentagon into a phenomenon that, again, from our perspective, is a lot older a lot more critical and will be determinative of how the human race evolves when disclosure finally dawns. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
2: our desire desire is to awaken your imagination with questions questions that have not been asked yet need answering the other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community
3: learning new things
2: asking questions getting compelling answers
3: and interesting viewpoints It's about curiosity.
2: We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events.
0: Tune in
3: for a balanced view of
2: the other side of the news.
0: side of the news can be heard here on this network on this channel on this website on this url every friday evening two hours seven to nine p.m pacific time i warn you you'll miss it at your own peril Welcome back, everyone. On this Saturday night, December 5th of 2020, which has been really an as horrible as so far, and yet there's something that's kind of emerging all around us, and the depths of which it's interconnected to the stuff that's going on is, frankly, quite dazzling. Before we move into the area of Utah and monoliths and omelisks and messages, uh, does anyone? And we have a cast of thousands. We've got Steven still with us. Uh, we've got uh, Keith Morgan, and Andrew Curry, and Robert Harrison, Kintia, Laura London. We may be joined by Tim Snyder. All of these folks' bios are on the uh, bottom of the guest page. So I'm not going to bore you with giving what you already know because they've been on the show many times. But I want to get to the. What is what does everyone besides me think is going on with the simultaneity of the terrestrial side of this? And suddenly the one institution that Americans still seem to have some confidence in the military, the Pentagon. Suddenly you get an exquisitely timed set of leaks that continue to build the story. Someone rattling their mic who wants to, who wants to respond? Don't be polite. Come on, come on. Well, I'll talk. Super, Ron.
2: Uh, uh, I have to say that I tend to agree with you to an extent that the um, folks that aren't from here, are having a um, a driving force in this because we have had so many false flags, so many false starts, um, and you definitely get the impression that there are windows that open up periodically for all sorts of complicated reasons that we probably that probably includes details that we don't even know about, and uh, they come and they go. You know, the, you can feel attention. It might happen now. It might happen. Well you tomorrow. know my my prejudice, which
0: is when it's steamboat time you steam, but the physics is now forming right. a backdrop. Like you can only surf when surf is up. Now there's this window and it's a big window. And everything is happening at once to try to to affect and take advantage of the hyperdimensional torsion field you know, acceleration and amplification going on. In this window, as Rick Levine and Laura and I discussed last week. So I don't think this is an accident that it's all hitting the rotating kitchen appliance now.
2: Yeah, but as you said, the enemy always gets a vote. And uh, there are those that don't want this to happen. And that that gets into politics in a generic sense because politicians do not like things upsetting their apple cart. They're very happy with their apple cart. Do you remember what happened when
0: the Berlin Wall fell down and George Bush, uh, the first, was president and press guys were all over the Oval Office, you know, sticking microphones in his face, you know, and they said metaphorically, why aren't you jumping up and down? And he looked into the camera and he said, stability. We must have stability. Governments, whether they're tyrannical or democratic or whatever, they desperately avoid, if at all costs, instability. And this has the potential for huge instability, particularly if we're not driving. I would, uh, I would
1: suggest that
0: not ending the truth
1: embargo, continuing this lie in the face of worldwide evidence amassing at a tremendous pace, that is more likely to destabilize than a, a relatively rolled out uh, uh, disclosure process. So I take the opposite view on that.
0: Well, I don't think it's an either or. I think you can have both. It's in how you roll it out. And something you said on on Saturday, Stephen, has stuck with me, Mm. you know, when we were having the after party and you said that you see evidence in the way this is being rolled out of a positive, open system future where this is a plus, even though it's been kind of couched in, you know, awareness of threats and all that. It really, the bottom line is, there's a lot of anticipation that things will change for the better. Certainly.
1: Uh, the, look, what's going on now is kind of what was going on in a different way when 2001 Space Odyssey came out. People were enthralled. It, it was the first film to truly give a sense of what it would like to have first contact, which is what that movie was. 2001 Space Odyssey was a, a movie in which the presence of, of non-human the, – the, the existence of non-human intelligence – was confirmed the moment they found the monolith on the moon. Now, it didn't go so far as to confirm extraterrestrial intelligence engaging the Earth, which was happening at the same time. Now
0: we're up. Yeah, uh, but, 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 but it, wait, 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 wait. remember, I know Arthur a bit. The core of 2001, funny you should bring it up, we're going to talk about it extensively a little, in a little few minutes, was that not only do extraterrestrials exist, the monolith, the technology, et cetera, Mm-hmm. But they tinkered in the nursery. Yeah, sure. Which is no, it's, yeah. it's huge. That's everything. Because according to traditions, only God did that.
1: Uh, but that was tinkering in the, in the long past, ancient aliens. Um, yeah, but yeah, your think- origins, who the hell you are, who you came from, where you came from, it's everything. I didn't say it wasn't everything. I'm simply saying that the reality is that they have tinkered with us in the past. I, I tend to believe that. But they're here. You know, they've tinkered the, And they're here now. That here now was not present in 2001 Space Odyssey. But now we're headed towards the confirmation that they are here now and have been here for some time. That will be uh-huh. the hearing. And uh-huh. what you're going to see is – and it can happen in an infinite number of ways – uh, people are getting excited. They're getting worked up, and they're going to do stuff. And if that means putting monoliths up, they'll <laughs> put those babies together. I, 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 I think that monolith to me was like aluminum cosplay. The point is, is that monoliths and people are going crazy about the monoliths. They're not even impressive. They're, What, ten feet tall? They made out of aluminum? Twelve? They got, they, they got steel. 12 feet tall, no, not and clothing. they got rivets. Steel, like, and, steel, no. no true alien monolith is going to have rivets who
0: cares if it's alien (laughs) it's a terrestrial group that knows stuff they should not know that's part of an unfolding
1: plan but it reflects the level of anticipation and excitement that humans are starting to feel in spite of the fact that they have just gone through one of the worst years in the history of the planet Right. Everybody's depressed. They get excited about that. And so that's the that's the perfect dichotomy. All right. So Mm -hmm. you're getting day after day after day of how many people just got covid, how many people in the hospital, how many people are dying. When is the vaccine coming? It just goes on and on and on, unless you don't watch the news at all. And then. A monolith turns out in the middle of the desert out west, and people go nuts, and the press goes nuts, basically saying, oh, wow, here's something cool. Here's something that could be profound, and it could be corrected to, connected to extraterrestrials. And then they're turning up – another one turns up in, I don't know, Turkey, and then I'm in California.
0: God no, knows no, 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 no. Roma- Let's get this accurate. Romania. Romania, so-so. So. Which appeared the, the morning of the night the one in Utah was destroyed. Hey, look, I've been
1: to Burning Man. There's there's monoliths being put together in garages all over the friggin' country right now. And but they're going to get better and better. App- I'm looking for something like yeah. 25 feet tall, yeah, 8 but you feet need wide, a and no rivets.
0: Your- what? Why don't you like rivets? It's not meant <laughs> to disguise itself as an ET artifact. It's a message from mankind to mankind. Anyway, uh, Richard, perfect you seg- don't
2: like rivets either.
0: Perfect segue. I'm, I, I find <laughs> the rivets on, on the one in Utah. We're fourteen per side, which Look, is of course the double spin of a double tetrahedron. Andrew, yeah, tell us why. <laughs> if you get close to that mic? Tell us why we, you, me, and Keith have become absolutely enamored with the context, the placement, the location of the obelisk in Utah.
3: I'll answer that question, but can I preface it with a couple of comments? Anything? First? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, let Get me answer. Get closer it.
0: to the mic. We're getting echoes. Okay, is that better now? No. You're oh. obviously on your computer mic.
3: No, I've got my I've got my headset on. Um, it's not working. That's
2: not hmm.
3: hang on We're a second. A is that a little better now?
0: It's good enough for folk music. Go ahead. <laughs> okay.
3: Uh, well, the Utah pillar. Monolith. i i, I it see obelisk i like obelisk. obelisk obelisk i mean it's sitting in the middle of a bunch of faces staring at it
0: yes On i, all I mean those I, canyon
3: walls yeah. and this is so reminiscent of the kind of things that we've been studying on mars uh, in gale crater specifically and this is not projection and this is not the old man in the the old man face in the hills these are very very designed elements that we've seen over and over again and i mean i'm not denying that we we can see this idea of paradoia in nature or we can project our inner feelings onto things i get that that's real it's it's obvious but when you get repeated imagery over and over and over again balanced perfect symmetry facial expressions i mean there there's i Look, Richard, if I really broke this stuff down just on that one wall, I could spend the next six hours, you know, entertaining your audience at least on one level. But definitely.
0: Well, we're going to do a lot of that tomorrow night. You know, tonight's a night for questions, because what has been very disappointing to me, even though obviously this is a worldwide network and I will demonstrate that tonight, I'll prove to you that this is not just a bunch of random artists or paid off kids that had nothing better to do, you know, and spend a couple of days building a steel you know, 3D tetrahedron. This is part of a cohesive symbolic unfolding plan, with crucial geometric elements that harken back
3: millions of years yeah. to what we're well, seeing on the planet Mars. Well, Richard. So one of the things you said off the top of the show is you said that the the gentlemen who were, uh, I believe, doing a count on uh, great horned sheep or, or rams. And you said, well, sheep represents sleeping. And I'm going to um, take a slightly different look at that. You know, Aries is um, the astrological sign for Mars, right? I mean, and and Aries is represented by the ram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, that, that could just be totally, as you well, say. Well,
0: all you're just, doing is saying the earlier mythos really supersedes the general public. And I was, again, this was a general public commentator. And his association with sheep was Sleep, And I think the idea of sleep, awakening,
3: sleep, yeah. awakening. Oh, definitely cycles with Mars. Definitely. Because it's yeah. also Mars is also associated with Scorpio, right? Which is the false sign. But I like the idea of associating it with spring. And that's symbolic of new beginnings, birth and, and initiation. Right. I mean, I think we're on mm-hmm. the verge. And and if that's where I want to sort of. Which, now- of course,
0: puts this right in Stephen's time frame, because he's saying and all the politics, the smart stuff would believe that if Biden wants to really change the conversation and show how we're united, having hearings early in the next spring is just the right time frame.
1: Allowing well,
3: hearings. Yeah, well, we got to wait um, till isn't it January something, 20, before we find out what really happens in that area. But let's not go there right so now, true. Richard. So <laughs> um, whoever it is is, is going to hopefully do the right thing. Um, but listen, one of the things I wanted to say was, you guys are talking about you know a window that's opening. Richard, you and I, and, and many times on the show in the past, we've talked about this idea of a rising tide in the physics. I'm going to suggest that not only is it an opening of a window, but things have taken root. There has been, and again, this is my gut level feeling, that not only is it a window, Richard, or a door and, and an opportunity, but literally whatever the changes that are happening at a deeper level – are literally so verdant with potential, I mean, beyond potentiality, it is like absolutely on the verge of a tidal wave. You know, there's a beautiful image, well, it's not beautiful, but there's that, um, you remember, remember how, 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 how a tsunami works? First, the water is in on the shoreline, and then mysteriously, it just sort of gets drawn out, right? It goes away, and people come wandering out onto the onto what was previously where the water was. I mean, that's the mm. stage that I feel like we're in. This is that sort of everybody's mm-hmm. running for covered. We all have different concepts, including top-level virologists and doctors on this planet. I, I, again, I won't go there about what the COVID is all about. But that tide, that water has been sucked out there. And what's coming back in is going to change everything. This is what I truly, truly feel. I don't well, just remember. Do remember, Andrew, my model for months
0: and months and months backed up by people like Chandra. Yeah. Are that this pandemic, this COVID-19, a designer virus designed to attack the human species with very specific and a wide ranging set of long-term issues fundamentally has been lofted to us by our enemies no one on earth the breakaways off planet and the chinese which were the worst place this appeared could well in fact be victims covering up their mendacity saving face etc etc because they have become on the planet the new nazis to supplant what happened before world war ii and the breakaways at that time mm. So the meta picture of who's what and who's wearing what hat. And again, tomorrow night, we have some answers, provisional answers to some of these questions. Tonight, I want to raise the questions. Who gave us this pandemic simultaneously with disclosure at every different level? I mean, remember in the spring when everybody's focused on this disease, suddenly the Pentagon authenticates you know, what the uh, To the Stars Academy and the New York Times stuff have been talking about and the videos posted. They came out
3: like a total non sequitur.
0: Oh, this is real.
3: Well, Richard, again, that's because they know what's coming. Look, Look, we know there is technology for, and I don't mean to take all the oxygen here. No, so no, anybody, no, you're not. Yeah. No, no, no. We have plenty of time. Well, we know there that there's, if you want to call it technology for seeing the future, I mean, that's astrology, depending on the particular form you follow. I mean, Laura knows that. She she's, she has friends that study this, and she's interviewed them and, and presented them to the show, and they've been fabulous. So, depending on what you're, you know, what Richard, Richard you and I talked about um, Ronald Reagan, Nancy Reagan, and what she did. So, we know that you know throughout time, um, the elites have used some kind of technology to see the future. So, what whether it's an astrological concept or something more interesting than that and and i had a very interesting conversation <clears throat> with robert morningstar about that but that's a totally different idea <laughs> um that no seriously that they may have a way of seeing shadows of things to come I, I know i'm going way out there but no 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 because i remember a
0: vivid dinner here in albuquerque with robin and me and uh, whitley streber
3: uh-huh.
0: and we were both talking at dinner i wish we'd recorded these things um, how we both in our, in our earlier careers had had extraordinary visitors to the middle of nowhere at levels of government that should not have happened. And I said to him, you know, in public for the first time that night, because I'd shared this idea with, with Robin a lot, I said, Whitley, what if they have a time machine and they know who is going to be catalytic And those are the people they focus on either to assist them, to prep them for what's going to happen someday, or to get rid of them, you know, like going back and killing your own grandpa. So, I mean, Whitley looked at me and he says, I've had the same thought. Because he had the same kind of of out-of-the-box early, early visitations. I mean, why when I was just this not right behind the ears curator in this little dinky you know, town in New England, Springfield, in this museum, why did I get an in-person visit for two days from the deputy administrator of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, who, among other things, helped me push my 57 Chevy out of a (laughs) snowdrift? And this kept happening. Yeah. You know, Stephen Dole, who was the guy at RAND who wrote and did the whole study on habitable planets for man, Suddenly, winds up visiting me
3: in my museum in Dinky Springfield, Richard, three thousand miles away. Yeah, there is something coming that it, it's already here. It's already here. They know it. People's <clears throat> minds and their hearts are are congealing together in this extraordinary. When new it's mix. steamboat time, it, it is steam. And and this is what I wanted to ask, um, Stephen. Stephen, I want to ask you, and I've. I, By the way, thank you so much for all your work, and I've heard you interviewed many times, and you're great, so I really appreciate that. Um, You're my new best friend. (laughs) Well, listen, I heard you interviewed on uh, on well, actually a good good Canadian boy, uh, Dave Scott, who who runs a show up in the interior here in my province of British Columbia, and he almost got close to a question to ask you. What would you want to – I don't know if he quite asked you, but I was thinking it at the time, and I think I was even trying to get him to ask you that question because he often, like, reads, you know, listeners' questions. But when this starts to happen, when we finally have this revelation, like, for real in the public, what kind of role do you see yourself playing? Because we've, we've discussed this among our group of what we're going to have to do and how we're going to have to provide – literally, like Richard – And it brought everybody here services to explain what people are going to start to see because they're going to be completely befuddled, just like Richard was referring to the Brick Institute. So for you, what do you see your role being?
1: Let's not cast it in what my role would be. Let's cast it in what the role will be of the citizenry, the populist role. So as we move forward to disclosure, not surprisingly, uh, the final months and weeks and months of the truth embargo are going to be dominated by uh, organizations like the ttsa which is filled with military intel professionals it'll be with the military witnesses members of congress and so forth high-end uh and they will dominate the stage and ultimately lead to the announcement by the president now we're in the post-disclosure world now at that point once that has happened which is where this is going uh, what will, what, where would the citizen science researcher activists come in? Leading up to disclosure, it, I understand why they're not reaching out to us. Uh, I'm not getting any calls from the, <laughs> from the intelligence committee and, and uh, 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 I don't think many of my colleagues are. Uh, it has to kind of focus there. In other words, to do this, that's where it has to be. Now, the people that are doing this are aware that prior to the TTSA arriving, some many thousands of books are written on the subject by hundreds and hundreds of researchers, and massive evidence was amassed. Right, uh, what happens with regard to that? I want to think that after disclosure, in a fairly short, in fairly short order, the 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 the, the, the media, particularly the media, I think I can count on the media will reach out. To those that were pursuing this issue long before the military intelligence complex realized well, it was time to end it. Well, would the
0: analogy, Steve, would be currently, because of the constitutional crises and the politics of Trump, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of historians, uh, Michael Betchloss on CNN, John Meacham on MSNBC, have been called upon to give us historical perspective to yeah. be talking heads. I yeah. would imagine given that those of us have actually been doing a homework on this are a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the population of even one town, let alone the country or the world, we will be asked to be talking heads. Again, on the assumption, the system is honest. Okay. If there's going to be, if, hang on. If there's going to be yeah. heavy spin, then those of us that tell the truth, you, me, and a bunch of others, we will be excluded and a whole bunch of fake talking heads will be put in front of the American people to spin the story. What does it mean in their direction? Well, there'll be a lot scenario. of scenario. There'll be a lot
1: of people with a lot of perspectives. I think the media is going to reach out to the the, the citizen science research uh, uh, people, including the, the contactees, <clears> because <throat> that's a whole realm of stories. And they want stories. They want ratings. Yeah. They want to write up. So I'm not – I'm not worried about them. Yeah. Whether or not the political class will reach out uh, is not clear. Whether or not uh, people, uh, the, the, the citizen uh, science research world will be invited up in the hill to, to well, give wait, testimony. Wait,
0: wait, wait. The, 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 the sequence <clears throat> following Roddenberry's law, you and me and folks like us, best of all possible worlds, are called upon by networks like my old alma mater, CBS, to come back and fill in. We can do it without remote control from anywhere on the planet. Don't even have to physically get on a plane to New York. I mean, that's one of the good news of the pandemic. We're going to save a lot in making us available electronically. The point is, if we're not called, if the B team is brought in to basically sell a propaganda line, our alternative is, of course, the Internet. And that ultimately will wind up making its way back to network television, the mainstream, where most people who haven't followed this ever are going to be getting their news. But the bottom line is I think the truth will ultimately rise to the top because there's too many competing channels and people's interest. Once they're given permission, which is the official part of the hearings and presidency and all that, they will be voracious in demanding as much info as you can feed them. We shall see.
1: But in answering Alan's question, I'm simply saying what I want to see happen is for the the people that have pressed this issue against the government under the truth embargo since 1947, 73 years, um, that they are brought into the picture they are allowed in they are allowed to be made part of possibly even drawn upon for knowledge and information perhaps policy making and so forth I'd like to see that and if that happens I would hope to be part of that Uh, I feel optimistic about the press I don't know what the government's going to do uh, uh, but that's that's the best I can give I mean I have a lot of things I'd like to do but that doesn't mean I'm not going to get to do them Uh, But uh, my job is to speak for the people. I'm a populist and and a a populist uh, advocate. My job is not to speak for the military intelligence complex. So I will constantly bring up and remind people that, hey, you know, long before some admiral over at the Navy suddenly got excited about some photo he was sent decades before there were people out there saying matter of factly. There are extraterrestrials here. These craft are non-human in origin, and the government fully knows about it. Decades ago. And they've it's died stayed- since then. And they didn't get paid for doing it either. I just want... I'll be raising that point with some frequency. Okay.
0: Hang on. At the top of the hour. Okay. In the next section, we're going to grapple with the monolith mystery, harkening all the way back to my dear friend Arthur and Stanley Kubrick, a brilliant mm-hmm. classic film... The most extraordinary preview of humanity probably since now and the dawning of reality the utah monolith is it really what it sounds and looks like it could have been you're on the other side of midnight my name is richard c hoagland you shall return Over and out.